Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Couples Develop Podcast. As always, my name is Bridget, and I'm a marriage and family therapy graduate student. Um, I created this podcast with my boyfriend, Justin, who's a financial planner, and we just wanted to create this podcast to share our own thoughts and insights on um, personal development as it relates to individuals as well as couples, two things we're very interested in, um, and kind of digging into a little bit from our own personal perspective. Um, my interests of marriage and family therapy, as well as his interests as in finances. Uh, so we are so excited you're here for us for another episode and are committed to having an exceptional life and relationship. And today I am excited to be here with Gina, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Minnesota and the owner of Gusto Integrative Therapies. Gina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Bridget. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to learn from you and uh, just get your perspective on the questions we have before us. Uh, If you would, just to begin, please share a little bit of who you are, um, what you do, and something that's been exciting you about life lately. Um, So my name is Gina Cadwallader. Um, Like you said, I'm a licensed licensed marriage and family therapist in Minnesota. I am also a um, Minnesota MFT board approved supervisor. Um, which means I supervise interns and postgrad supervisees. I own um, a private practice, Gusto Integrative Therapies, with my husband. Um, he is a physical therapist and a functional medicine practitioner, so we kind of do the whole the whole person approach in our practice. Um, when I'm not working, I have two children, two boys. They are six and eight, so we are living the distance learning life right now. Um, and something I'm excited about right now is the Enneagram. I've been so excited about this for the last one or two years. Um, And recently, yeah, it's been, I really dug in about a year ago when we decided to open Gusto and uh, my husband and I are so different. And so I saw it as an opportunity Uh to kind of work on our interactions, our communication, that sort of thing. Um, And I recently started listening to a podcast called Enneagram and Coffee there is okay yeah the um this woman sarah jane case she um does that podcast and she just wrote a book actually called the honest enneagram and it's such a good book for beginners or non-beginners um so i'm super pumped about that right now gosh thank you so much for sharing that i love asking that question because i just feel like i hear so many um new things that either are or not. And I also am such a fan of the Enneagram. So I'm glad you recommend you um, mentioned that podcast and book. I'll definitely have to check those both out. Yeah, for sure. It's really good. Do you find um, just a, a quick side note on that, if I may, um, do you find um, incorporating the Enneagram into your practice at all? Or is that just more something you use for, um, I know, like you mentioned, your husband and yourself to kind of under- understand each other better? Or is that a useful tool with clients as well? It's super useful with clients. Um, I use it with cool. my individuals and my couples. I think with couples, especially figuring out how to interact in a more healthy way and understand kind of why your partner is behaving the way they are. It's super helpful and, yeah. and fun. I mean, a lot of people just kind of laugh when they figure out their type and realize how, they fit it. So yeah, I've been using that and I use it with my supervisees as well. I think it's good for self of the therapist work. Cool. 
Oh, thanks for mentioning mm-hmm. that. I yeah, I, I've I've been interested in the Enneagram for a couple years now, and yeah, I'm I'm a, a proud type too, so <laughs> I can attest that it's absolutely accurate, 100. Mm-hmm. percent So, um, I think it explains a lot of things for me, and thanks for mentioning that, just with incorporating it with clients, um, and you know your supervisees. Um, that's really interesting as it relates to, um, of course, on an individual and relational level, but also in that professional mm-hmm. setting. Yeah, type two. I know there's a lot mm-hmm. of therapists out there that are twos. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, um, yeah, I have one professor in particular where, you know, he immediately first day of class was like, I'm a type two. And I was like, oh, I relate. This makes so much sense. That's awesome. I am an um, eight. So I'm, I'm an eight. So I'm a little bit, yeah. um, a little bit different from a lot of therapists you would see, but it works. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can definitely see like how, um, you know, your, your, your strengths and your areas of growth and things, um, for any type that you are really, um, help you or um, something, you know, can um, pay attention to um, in any career for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. That's so interesting. Um, well, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I My next, I'm um, just kind of wanting to get to know you a little bit more is um, what initially led you to the field of marriage and family therapy or, or how'd you, um, I guess a better question too would be, um, how did you and your husband uh, think to begin your private practice at Gusto Integrative Therapies? That's a good question. So how I, I kind of fell into MFT. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about that first and then how we got into gusto. So I, when I was in high school, I read a book called the man who mistook his wife for a hat. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oliver Sacks. Um, it's just like a compilation of abnormal psych stories. Um, so, you know, being 16, 17 years old, I'm like, that is the type of person I want to work with. Like people with these sort of like severe and persistent mental illness. I thought it was really interesting. Um, and so I studied psych in my undergrad and shortly before I graduated, I realized you can't do a lot, honestly, within, you know, a bachelor's in psych. Um, so I got a job selling mortgages, (laughs) um, and Mm -hmm. thought, I don't know. I just love learning about people. Like I would be calling people, cold calling them to sell mortgages or different loans and learn about their lives. And it just, that fits me. I'm so interested in people. Like I would love to be a fly on the wall in so many different people's kitchens. Right. And so I just Googled, um, counseling or therapy master's programs in Minnesota. I was living in North Dakota at the time and Mm -hmm. I found, um, Argosy's program and it would fit with work. So I could do a weekend sort of cohort. And, um, it was a whirlwind. So I applied and figured I would start maybe, you know, I applied in August, figured I would start maybe in January and they had an opening. So by the time I applied two weeks later, I started my program. Yeah, it was fast. It was really, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad I didn't have time to think about it. It was such, I mean, Argosy in Twin Cities is not, they closed last year, which is a bummer. Um, but it was such a good program, such awesome Mm -hmm. professors. Um, so I really kind of fell into it. I think if it would have been a social work program or if it would have been, a, you know, a counseling psych program, um, that I would have ended up doing that. Thank goodness it was MFT because it just fits my worldview a lot better. Yeah. So cool. So cool. And I, I 
I love hearing that perspective. I think like um, for myself and a lot of people I talk to who are an MFT, um, you know, they'll kind of chat a little bit about how it just, it just makes sense or it just fits with their values or, you know, they're, they're systemic thinkers and just think of, you know, it's so difficult to treat individuals, couples, families, not viewing it from a systemic lens. Um, do you have similar views as to why um, you enjoy the MFT route um, and just perspective so much or different? Um, I, I just can't imagine, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what the other programs are like, right. Cause I haven't gone through them, but I can't imagine working with an individual and not inviting somebody from their family to sessions. Um, I can't imagine not doing a genogram or a form of genogram, you know, with each client to kind of see patterns, relational patterns, um, and other, I don't know, other licensed people don't necessarily do those things to me. I can change me, but if I'm not seeing change in the other people around me, that's not going to be sustainable. And so I just think, yeah, the systemic thinking is what fits for me. I'm a relational person. Um, Bring as many people into the room as you possibly can, and we can make the most change. Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think that, yeah, I think I I enjoy that perspective for sure. And I think that that's great that you um, find that so rewarding with clients to invite other people in and kind of, um, you know, get different pieces of the story and and just build upon um, your knowledge to best treat the individual um, Mm -hmm. or the the couple or the family that's coming to see you. Um, Absolutely. So um, what... uh, I guess, what does uh, your work look like at Gusto Integrative Therapies? Um, w- would you, is, is it appropriate to say you um, treat an individual from a holistic approach? I think so. I mean, that word's thrown around okay. a lot. So I'm not, it depends on, it depends on your definition of holistic, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. For us here, it's, it's really, you know, mental, emotional, relational, physical, right? So mm-hmm. my husband and I, we, we jumped into Gus. We didn't jump in. We thought about it for a long time, but we, <laughs> we eventually opened Gusto um, because we were sharing a lot of clients. You know, he would see um, clients kind of hitting a point where they weren't getting better. And he's like, there's some, you know, psychosomatic stuff. There's some mental health stuff happening here. And so he'd refer them to me um, to do some work with anxiety, depression, that sort of thing. And then vice versa, I would have clients who would make a lot of progress with me and, um, but they'd have these chronic pain issues or they'd talk about how, you know, they, it's really hard for them to get down on the floor with their kids, that sort of thing. So we'd be referring back and forth. Um, so in that sense, yes. Um, you know, we share quite a few clients that see him for physical therapy and functional medicine stuff. And, um, you know, I'll do a lot of, I'm not the expert, right. I'm not the expert in supplements. I'm, I'm not the expert in, um, physical treatments, but I can definitely connect them with somebody who can help. Um, so a typical day right now, <laughs> um, and that's all we can go with right during COVID right now, a typical day. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's definitely different than it used to be, but a typical day, one of us will come into the office probably from like seven to two, um, and luckily our office is only about a mile from our house. So it's close to home. Nice. And then the other one comes home or that person comes home and the other one heads to the office about two 30 till maybe eight or nine. So okay. for my days, um, you know, maybe four to six hours of client sessions or supervision sessions, um, paperwork, billing stuff in between. It sounds boring, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that my face-to-face time with clients is usually around four hours a day. 
um, I feel like I'm at my best when I'm not seeing 10 people in a day. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and that's great. You've, you know, been able to adapt to this. You know, I, I had to chuckle when you said an average day and, um, you know, today as in, you know, regarding COVID-19, because, yeah, I guess your average day now looks a bit different than maybe it did um, six months ago or so. It does. Um, but it's great that you're able to kind of adapt and, um, you know, with that private practice running it uh, with your husband that you're two, you two are able to kind of tag team and um, navigate that because like you were saying too, doing distance learning uh, with your kids, um, that adds a whole nother piece of complexity. So I'm glad to hear you've been navigating that yeah. uh, smoothly. It's definitely been a wild ride, um, but we've kind of fallen into some sort of a routine for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I have to tell you when I, um, you know, first saw your uh, private practice on line, um, you know, and I noticed that, you know, you were a marriage and family therapist and your husband was a physical therapist. I, I had just never seen anything like that to, before. So I was immediately drawn in and just really excited to talk to you about. Um, so cool that, you know, it's mind body connection for sure. And you, know, you, you have to treat the whole person. I, I just, I hadn't seen um, a clinic with those two areas of expertise working, to, expertise working together as a team. So I just have to share with you. I was so excited to speak with you and just hear more about um, your work with that. Thank you. Yeah, we are excited to finally be doing it. It feels right for us, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a great and like definitely a very unique approach, but a very important one. So I'm so glad you're able to bring that Thank you. Um, both to, you know, the field of physical therapy and marriage and family therapy. Thank you. You're yeah, mm -hmm. you're so welcome. Uh, is there anything um, that really, I guess, either as like a beginning marriage and family therapist or when you first started working at Gusto Integrative Therapies, anything like that, but something that has really surprised you as a result of your career? Um, yes. Yes. I like this question a lot because I do think that there's, there is a piece um, that I've been aware of a long time, but especially since providing supervision, there's a piece to our work that therapists are not great at talking about, and that's money. Um and the, it's really surprised me when I was in grad school and maybe right away post-grad, people were always joking about, you know, we're in this because we love the work, not because we want to make money off of it, not because we do make money off of it. There's, I don't know if you hear the same thing at your school, but it's like, you know, there's, there's not a ton of money in therapy. That's what I heard over and over and over. So I just kind of was resigned to the fact that, you know what, hopefully I love this. Um, hopefully Josh <laughs> makes good money. And we can survive, right? Sure. Um, sure. And yeah. it's just not been my experience that I think that mm -hmm. um, if you're strategic and you look at things from a business perspective, as well as from, you know, a relational person-centered place, that you can make good money off of this. And I've actually been pretty surprised at, um, at how that has looked. And I have interns and supervisees that feel the same way, like, you know, I got to charge less for these clients. They need this work. And I just, I don't know, I've, I've told them my story and I'm like, you can make good money in this field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause yeah, I, I, I do have similar, um, you know, just, I, I've heard that, you know, tossed around just, you know, we're not doing it for money, not doing it for the money. And, you know, of course you, you do need to love what you do, um, regardless of the paycheck, but at the same time, um, everyone's therapy included, um, you know, your work mm -hmm. is valuable. And so to be able to say like, I, 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 I'm, I've, 
I've spent so much time, um, you know, working on this to best serve my clients, to have the knowledge and the skills to serve them. And, you know, there's a price tag attached to that and to not uh, just resign yourself to, oh, well, you know, I, I'm here to help and, right. you know, not think that, you know, you know the, the money piece, you know, of course, isn't everything, but is important too. And, and I love that you talked about that because I think that, you know, of course, we know that uh, money is one of the number one things that couples mm-hmm. fight about. Um, and I think that, you know, just even, you know, in for, I feel like a lot of therapists know that, but then at the same time to kind of talk about it in themselves, not even in a couple setting can still be challenging. So thanks for bringing to light that. Absolutely. Share it with your classmates because (laughs) it is real. It is real. And even being a pre-licensed person, you bring a lot of value. Gosh. And yeah, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I think like Speaking of it a little bit from like a student standpoint, like some of the, you know, thoughts I have and like, I've heard similar thoughts from my classmates is like, oh, like I, I haven't, you know, like I've, I've spent so much time learning like the textbook knowledge of this, but like beginning my internship and then, you know, like, like beginning the first year, couple years as a clinician kind of thinking like, oh, like I'm so inexperienced and, you know, I, I need to, you know, have more experience, have more exposure before I'm like worth something or actually helpful. And um, yeah, to kind of just like share with them that, you know, the way you get experience with anything is yep. doing it and to know that, you know, yeah, I mean, of course, like, how you are as a clinician in your first year is going to be different from five years down the road is going to be different from 10 years down the road is going to be different from 30 years down the road, of course. Um, but to still know that even as a beginning clinician, you are valuable and your work is valuable and, and, and to believe in that and to not just resign yourself of, Oh, I'm, you know, not worth, not worth anything until I've reached like five, 10 years down the road. Absolutely. I have to tell you my interns and my supervisees because they have that book knowledge that I had, you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, like I've learned so much and been reminded of so much that I've forgotten. Um, and it is so valuable to have that. And then you build your skills in the therapy room post-grad and that's okay. That's how we all do it. Gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I, I think it's awesome to, you know, talk to someone like you or someone who's, you know, you're a couple of years down the road and to just think like, oh, wow, I, 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 um, I'm so inspired by them and, you know, want to learn from them. And, you know, of course it's so important, but to know that, yeah, we all started yep, in the same absolutely. place and it, it takes time and, you know, to yeah. not forget that. Yeah, you're right. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, I will definitely share that with my <laughs> classmates. They will be thrilled. <laughs> Um, is there anything uh, or, or a specific thing or two you can point to that has really challenged you in your career? Yeah. Um, yes. Couples, right? I love couples work. I think it is some of the hardest sure. work. Um, some of the my couple sessions are the ones I prep for the most. Um, but I think couples can be really hard when they come into therapy at a point where the resentment is really, really thick, Right. Um, where they've really built up resentment. And this is a challenge since my internship, from my internship or my practical experience to now with clients. And I'll see it usually in the first couple mm. of sessions where they're here, we want to fix our marriage, but we can't let go of those resentments. Um, and it's so tough because you just want to shake them and be like, we can't move forward without this, right? And for mm, me, what has yeah. worked best to kind of help couples with that and help myself not get stuck in the frustration as well is just to name it. I put it out there. I say, this is what I see is happening. Um, you can't make progress without vulnerability. And I just call them out on it. And I just say, where are we going to go from here? And wow. that's my biggest challenge is yeah. this resentment that builds up with couples for sure. 
That's, that's so important that you said that it's, yeah, I, um, I can, I can only imagine. Is there, um, is there any sort of, I'm not sure if this fits what immediately comes to me as far as like, whatever is being, having, is having resentment about is like making meaning from that experience. Uh, do you incorporate that at all? Or is there sort of a, a different approach you, um, do with couples to try to get them to move from resentment other than uh, it depends you know like yeah it really step? depends on the couple um the places I see it go there will be some people <laughs> where just calling them out on it <laughs> and you know I'm, I'm very direct and yeah. I'm okay with being direct and confrontational and for for some people just hearing that and being called out on it in front of their spouse is enough for them to go okay I'm going to choose not to do this anymore not that it just stops immediately right but they're able to kind of check themselves and work going forward right and be a little bit more vulnerable um for some people it takes individual sessions so I will not every therapist will do this but I will often separate the couples and meet with each of them individual individually throughout our couples work to um, try and dig a little bit deeper and work on some things. So sometimes that happens. And then there's times where they seem to not be able to budge. I don't know what it is, if there's trauma, if there's attachment issues. Um, and I'll refer them out to either individual therapy and sometimes discernment counseling. Um, there's an awesome discernment program in Minneapolis. And that has helped a lot of times for people to really decide, do I actually want to do the work to work on my marriage? Yeah. So often it results in referring out. um, And I am totally fine with that. I think we also need to stay in our lane. And if I'm here to help you progress your marriage, and you're not at that point to do it, maybe somebody else can help you get there and you'll come back to me. That's a great point. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Because yeah, I, I think too, you know, of course, um, it's yeah, like the goal isn't always um, to save a marriage, you know, and and to, to kind of think, um, you know, of course your trajectory is going to look like, it's going to look very different from, um, you know, you know, are we definite as far as like, nope, like we're moving Mm -hmm. towards separation. No, we want to work on this and save it. Uh, honestly, we're not really sure. So like, I love that you made that comment about just kind of stay in your lane and just understand that, you know, you're, you're not a, you didn't say this at all, but I think a lot of beginning clinicians, myself included, could kind of think, oh, I'm a failure because I don't know like how to work with this couple. But I love that point of just saying like, you know what, I feel comfortable like helping you move move forward or at least move forward in a direction yep. when you're certain on it. And I'm not one who is able to kind of help you figure out that, you know, or you, like I'm saying, when you need um to refer out, outside, if like discernment mm-hmm. counseling or something like that yeah. would be helpful. I think it is. I think it's good to realize that because you can also think, okay, I need to do everything for these people. They came to me for a reason. And, you know, if it's not my jam, it's not my jam. And I'm honest with people about that. Like, I think you need this and that's not something I'm good at, or that's not something I'm willing to offer right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, in, in that way too, you might even be kind of um, modeling or, um, you know, showing authenticity, mm-hmm. vulnerability in yourself and, you know, maybe even modeling that for the client saying like, Hey, like, you know, I, I see this and I'm being direct with you on this. And, um, you know, I, I want you to have the best service possible. And, you know, maybe that's not with me right now. Maybe it is in a, a little bit, but maybe I can refer you out for a moment yeah, here to kind absolutely. of get to that place. And are there any um, specific like uh, therapeutic approaches, models, or interventions you're really drawn to with clients? Um, and, and kind of how, how did you discover those, or how do you 
uh, figure out what's going to work for. So when I was in grad school, I really grabbed on to gestalt therapy. Um, Loved it. Mm -hmm. I love the directness. I love um, how we're in the moment. We can bring the past to the present, but we're not like sitting in the past for too long. Right. Um, I think it's super, I think it's super empowering, which is something I really try to empower my clients to take care of themselves. Right. Um, So felt really kind of in love with Gestalt when I was in grad school and I still love it. Like it just comes naturally to me. Um, I tried to grab onto other (laughs) theories, therapeutic approaches like CBT narrative. And I use pieces of that, right? I think you'll hear a lot of therapists say that I use bits and pieces of different things. Um, but they just don't fit quite as well with me as Gestalt does. Um, yeah, I think, okay. and there's plenty of others, but I'm not one, I haven't specialized in any, I don't do a lot of trauma work. So I don't do EMDR or anything like that. Um, and then I use a ton of Enneagram work still, like I said, mm-hmm. um, Enneagram, especially with couples and then Gottman of course is my go-to for couples. Cause why reinvent the wheel? They do great sure. work. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, that's always mm-hmm. a good one to, to come And in terms to. of how to, how do I decide what to use? Do you- um, Mm -hmm. I kind of just go with the flow, you know, the first few sessions with clients are really, really rapport building, getting to know them. How much can I understand about these people? Um, and like I said, Gestalt just kind of flows out of me. And so I lean into that as much as I can. Um, I will at times, you know, when people need to learn about the CBT triangle, I'll put on my, you know, psycho ed hat and teach them about some of those things, but I'm not that there. I'm never going to like sneak therapeutic interventions on them. I will <laughs> tell them, Hey, this is what I'm thinking might help you. So I'm going to teach you a little bit about yeah. this. Let's talk about it. Um, yeah, really direct and open. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Cause and the, I think too, you know, it's, it's like, it, it's making the, um, the experience of therapy very involved and like participant based, which of course it is, you know, it's like, I think that, um, you know, you know, some clients or, you know, I've heard, you know, can kind of come into therapy right. and just think like, okay, fix right. me, fix my problem. Um, and so even to kind of, and, and I've kind of thought like, oh, how am I going to address that with clients? Just kind of say, Hey, you know, like I, I'm here to kind of guide you, but also like, you're the one doing the work and you're the one who's going to, um, make the changes that you want to see. And so that's a really helpful perspective coming from you to think, um, to even just kind of teach them a little bit about the intervention or the approach you're using. Cause I think that can kind of make it very direct and plain and okay, this is what they're doing. You know, they're not like sneaking yes. up on me yeah. with this intervention. Um, very cool. Cause yeah, I think that like sometimes you can kind of think like I have to have these tools in my back pocket. So I really appreciate that you're, you're so open and, and willing to teach your client those things that, you know, these aren't secrets and, you know, therapy is a wonderful resource and a wonderful tool, but not necessarily meant to be forever. So I hear you kind of saying like, mm-hmm. I want to teach you these things so that you can go into right. your life. And yeah, absolutely. And set the needed. expectation early, right. When you meet with clients, and let them know, like, this is, this is who I am. This is how I practice. Of course, I adjust for each of my clients and you're the expert. You do the work, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like the, mm-hmm. you are the expert of your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Do you see um, any personal strengths um, you want to share um, or areas of expertise as a marriage and family therapist or, or just in general? Is there any uh, specific like 
population of uh, people or clients that you super enjoy working with? You know, I work with individuals and couples. Um, Mm -hmm. I really, my jam is (laughs) angry men. There's not really like a better way to say it, right? So adult men who are saying they have anger management issues, emotional regulation issues. I love that work. It's practical. It's typically short term. Um, And when a client is an adult client is coming saying, you know, I have anger issues. They're typically really motivated for change, um, which makes it super rewarding work, right? We're seeing from week to week progression. So I really enjoy, yeah, I enjoy that work a lot. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And I I always, um, I I love asking that question because I always find it's often um, so, so different from like Mm -hmm. yourself as a person, Um, you know, because, because I feel like in um, school, we always talk about, you know, what kind of um, clients do do you see yourself, you know, really wanting to work with? I haven't, I'm just about to begin my internship, but I haven't yet. Uh, So I haven't seen any clients. And so I'm kind of thinking like, Oh, I'm, I'm a young um, female, you know, maybe like high school age, like young adults, you know, people I'd kind of work with and okay, well, why? Well, because that's kind of the life stage I'm in and the life stage that I feel really comfortable in and can kind of identify the things that I've sort of walked through and, you know, might kind of be, um, I, I can see myself at those ages thinking like, wow, I wish someone was there and, um, you know, to kind of discuss those issues. So I, I'm just so excited for when I do start seeing clients, like, seeing if there is a population of people that I love working with, that's, you know, so different. I love that. It sounds like you're open to working with all different sorts of people and you already think you might lean in one direction. You know, you're probably right. You're probably going to love that population of people, but there might be something else that surprises you. Yeah. 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 I think so too. And like, I'm definitely hopeful because there definitely isn't um, a group of people that I'm like, no, never, I would never work uh, with that. I'm, I'm very open. It's just like, I haven't seen anybody yet. Yeah. So I don't know um, how it's going to go. So thanks for sharing that. Cause I think it can really surprise sure. yep. you, um, who you're most drawn to. Is there overall, um, or a, a couple or, um, just, just one big important lesson that you personally have learned for your career that you would share with someone, um, just a, a beginning therapist mm-hmm. or someone yeah, beginning I want- internship? all of my interns, all of my supervisees to know, and I make this really clear multiple times, <laughs> um, that therapeutic interventions and theories, techniques, all of those things, they're super important. But the number one predictor of, you know, clients reaching goals in therapy is the therapeutic relationship. It is so important that we build a good relationship with our clients way more important than if we've got the CBT stuff down or if we've got the narrative things or the gestalt, whatever, just knowing your client and understanding them. Um, and you know, understanding each other is the most important thing. So most of us are good at that already. Like it's a natural thing. And that's part of the reason we went into this field. Um, and so just honing that in and building that relationship is number one with clients. I think everybody should work more on that and less on the techniques. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like mm-hmm. a breath, a sigh of relief from myself. And I'm sure your interns and um, anyone listening to this who's, um, you know, beginning their career, beginning their internship, because I think that that's something I've finally kind of 
settled in on a, at least a little yeah. bit in the past couple weeks and because you know it's just I feel like I've been like you know trying to run myself ragged like okay reviewing my textbooks and like reviewing the techniques and like expecting myself to just like come into the room with my clients and just you know okay we're gonna do narrative and like this is what we're gonna do um and totally forgetting that yeah it's so much rapport building and just being there and and empathic listening and all yeah, that kind of stuff is huge and those are skills yeah. that you know exactly and, oh that, I love that too just yeah oftentimes I feel like of course you would know I just I, I've heard from my professors and, th- and other therapists I've talked to that um you know oftentimes just mm-hmm. being there for yeah. a client is huge and like you might be one of the only people yep. who's really yeah like, absolutely there. and I think one of the things I'll tell my supervisees is because we'll often feel a little bit like deer in the headlights when working with clients right um a little like you said preparing okay I'm gonna try narrative yeah. today and you know things often um, as they do with humans, don't go the direction we planned, right? And so you can feel a little bit frozen and a little yep. bit like, I don't know where to go from here. And my go-to is just be curious, ask them a question about themselves. You know, it, it's again, it's relationship building. It's learning more about these people and it's going to serve you later. If I learn about you, you know, in our initial six appointments and two months after that, you say something, I'm like, but do you remember what you told me happened when you were 16? How does that relate to this, right? If I know you well enough to be able to bring that back, sure. um, we're going to progress a lot quicker. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And, you know, bringing to light some of those things, you know, like um, the client might not have even thought about yep. what happened to them when they were 16 in years and, and might definitely not be thinking of yep. how that relates to their situation currently. And, and you know, it's I think of like in my own life when I'm able to kind of connect some of those dots for myself, I'm like, whoa, that makes sense. And I can see those things coming up. But for a lot of people, just kind of bringing out that awareness and giving them to the space to kind of like chew on those things and work through some of those things. Um, exactly what you said just that relationship building is just the biggest predictor for success in therapy and I I think that therapists at you know every level students uh, beginning their internship um advanced just I feel like that's a really important thing to share too awesome I love Mm -hmm. that you tell your um interns that should they all yeah it is it is a reminder it's like oh yeah I'm not in charge here oh yeah it's not my job to fix everything it's just my job to relate to these people yep it takes a little Mm -hmm. bit of responsibility off you sure oh gosh yeah and for us Enneagram twos let me tell you that is a (laughs) a welcome um, reminder oh yeah the tendencies towards codependency sometimes right so being really aware of that is going to be important for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That, that's, that's huge. And finally, I kind of just wanted to touch on um, <laughs> gestures, hands, while yeah. this as in COVID-19 um, that has just so changed every aspect of our lives as individuals, families, people, community, society. Um, and I would just love to hear your input on um, how have you seen it impact uh, individuals, couples, and families in the field of counseling and therapy? Um, do, do, do you have any, I guess, tips for your clients during this time or um, anything you just want to mention yeah. in regard to COVID? The impact that I've actually seen, which is not what I expected, um, has been positive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
believe it or not, especially with my couples, it's been positive. Um, I think that with more forced time together, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, there's there's more opportunities for connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, um, less opportunities for getting away. And which I think can be a positive for those couples that tend to walk away, shut their spouse out, um, that sort of thing. So I, it's such a weird time, right? And I think that the number one thing I tell my clients is give yourself some grace, give your family members some grace. Like none of us know how to proceed and how to go through this. Um, so if somebody's off that day, mm-hmm. let them be off. Just don't let them live there for a week, right? Um, but I, I do think that there's more opportunities yeah. for connections, connection with my couples specifically. I think um, if we look at Gottman, so Gottman has this idea uh, about bids for connections, right? We're always bidding for connection with our children, with our spouse, with our coworkers, whatever. Um, and there's three ways you can respond. You can turn towards, you can turn away, or you can turn against. And I really believe if we can just be a little bit more intentional during this time to turn towards our partners, to turn towards our kids give them 30 seconds, a minute of our attention when they're asking for it, we're actually going to improve these relationships. Now, that being said, there are a lot of negatives, right? There's a lot of tough stuff happening with, um, you know, domestic violence and things like that. And so what I'm talking about is my clients coming from a relatively healthy Mm -hmm. place, right? Um, That there's been improvements for sure. I, I think you know, and in terms of, I think, um, part of your question was like, are we seeing a change or an uptick in referrals and stuff like that? And not yet, you know, things dropped down quite a bit Mm -hmm. in March and April. Um, I think people were just trying to wrap their heads around this, this situation. Um, and it's starting to pick up again. I do think that as things progress in Minnesota specifically, we're going to see an uptick in people needing some outpatient help. Um, but it's not there yet, at least not in my experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like a lot of, um, you know, just as far as like, um, and an uptick in referrals and things like that, I think that like, um, a lot of people might, you know, kind of thought like, oh, this added stress is gonna, you know, add to our client load, you know, have people seeking therapy, but just like what you said, people kind of like taking a moment to just wrap their heads around this. And of course there's all kinds of stressors happening and, you know, things might've gotten even busier with like, like you're saying with your kids, um, like long distance learning and financial difficulties. And there's all those different pieces, you know, that might be relating to why people haven't, um, sought, sought, uh, counseling yet, but good to know, um, that, you know, your clinic is open and a lot of mental health clinics have been able to, um, you know, still reach their current clients and offer services, um, to those looking. So I agree with you that, you know, once things kind of people begin to, you know, kind of settle into this, uh, settle into wrapping their minds around this um, thing, uh, you know, I think things might return, of course, not to normal, but um, to a ish where it was before. And, you know, of course, people might discover mm-hmm. a need um, for services. But I have also heard like what you were saying with uh, couples, um, it being a, a positive thing with kind of that forced time together, for lack of a better word. But that's really interesting because I've heard a couple other people say that. And yeah, um, me neither. It was not what shocked. I expected, but yeah. um, a positive for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much, Gina. I so appreciated talking to you um, and just learning from you and learning about yeah, your work. Thanks for so having thank me. Good for luck with your with internship today. coming up this fall and with the rest of your school stuff. 
absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I could use it. Um, I appreciate it. And you gave me a lot of just nuggets of wisdom to kind of sure you're welcome for that. So thank you so much. And everyone listening, um, you can always reach Justin and I with any questions or comments at couplesdevelop at gmail.com. And we will join you again next week for a new episode. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Gina. And enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend if you are listening to this in real time. Thanks. Bye. All right. Thank you. Bye.